Today on Octal FM, join us for our next episode of Game Club as we discuss the NES classic Metroid. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelado. And it's Game Club time. Woo-hoo. And today we are discussing our oldest game I think we've really talked about actually uh, on any Ooh, yeah, episode, uh, which is the original Metroid. So the original one on the NES or the Famicom in, in Japan, uh, although we both played it on the, the Switch nes app or whatever they call it yeah they're like um if you pay for a, you have to pay for a nintendo switch online subscription right and then you get that the nes classic sort of yeah. collection of games um for free and it's actually a really i mean when you look at the amount of games that are on it it's a really good deal and they keep adding games to it as well or adding like special versions of games um and stuff like that so it's a really cool deal for sure i mean the fa- the fact that it's part of your subscription service is good because if they ask me to pay for these games for like the umpteenth time oh I'd probably god be yeah. a bit, bit knocked <laughs> off because i mean they've they've done that in the past a lot where they've gone right and now you can buy these games for like three pounds like you realize that's just a piece of rom software right, right. That you're just charging me for yeah for the 12th time right exactly but the fact that it's part of your subscription like you don't kind of have to buy it separately or anything it's all just built in um makes it just a nice little bonus because if you're going to use the online services for things like splatoon or mario kart or smash bros or something then you know it's not a bad thing to have this at all no absolutely but yeah so we we played the original metroid because we thought it might be a nice idea to play an old game that we've not really played we've we've both played a lot of the metroid games over the course of our kind of gaming careers as it were Mm. like i remember being really excited to play metroid prime on the gamecube you know yeah. back in the day and then it was actually after then that i played things like super metroid for example yeah and played uh, metroid fusion on the game boy advance when that came out you've definitely played more of them than me i remember playing a little bit of the game boy one uh, metroid 2 but no i don't think i owned it i think i just played someone else's copy mm. of it uh, i remember playing metroid prime i actually remember playing metroid prime um, at my grandparents, like um, oh, when right. I was staying with them and I took my GameCube with me and I was playing it on a really old TV and it's, I can't remember exactly why, but it was basically black and white. Oh, right. Um, like, uh, so, so I played, made the game I played quite a difficult. not insignificant amount of Metro Prime in black and white. Wow. You hipster. <laughs> hipster before you were intending to be. Um, so, yeah. And what else? I I don't. I don't think I've played a lot or if any of uh, Prime 2 and 3. No. I definitely played some of Fusion, but I don't think I completed it. I don't think I completed Prime. I, I don't think I don't. I'm a bit of a. I like Metroid games, but also but I don't think I've them. ever. I don't think I've ever really committed. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because they're like the lowest threshold entry point wise compared to sort of the, the other big Nintendo franchises because like. They're speedrunner games because they're kind of short. Yeah, right. Whereas something like Legend of Zelda, which is like definitely not really a speedrunning game unless you kind of glitch it, is so much longer. But yet you've played like much, much more of those. Yeah, I get it. It's it's interesting um, for sure. But yeah, Metroid on the NES. I mean, it it basically 
this plus Castlevania kind of like spawned an entire style of game, right? Yeah. A style of game that we're still seeing like is is, is still being refined today, right? And in fact, I mean, we've played one of those games already on the game club in Hollow Knight, you know, and Hollow Knight is what's considered a Metroidvania right. style game. Yeah, you know, of course. A combination of those two. The that kind of genre didn't come about until a little bit later in both of those series games with things like Symphony of the Night on the PlayStation One and Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo. But we went all the way back to the beginning with the original Metroid. So this was on the Nintendo Entertainment System or the Famicom in Japan. It was released in 1986. And it was sort of one of the first games Nintendo put out for the system in their sort of adventure lineup of games. Back when games didn't have sort of like defined brands, they were more like toys. Yeah. And this was considered sort of the adventure game. But it was a little bit sort of more action orientated than something like Zelda, which was more puzzly. Yeah, definitely. And this was very much during the era where there wasn't surrounding media about these things either so it wouldn't be like you'd know about this game come out in advance and you'd have the story already and you know who the character was and the settings etc like nowadays with almost every single game even brand new titles that release sort of lots of information beforehand you know in trailers and adverts and all this Mm. so you went in and we'll touch on this as part of the actual game sort of features and you would have been blind unless you'd have read the manual or maybe bought like a strategy guide or called up like the nintendo hotline or something classic you wouldn't exactly yeah this 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 is the kind of game that that was built for really because it's so cryptic in a lot of ways you wouldn't know where you were what you were doing there was no story that was immediately evident no but then it was very cleverly hidden into a lot of the design as well. So this is very much the era of games where it was just a game unless you dug deeper. Yeah, definitely. And in fact, you lose a little bit with these games. And nowadays, because you don't get the physical instruction manual, and Mm. a lot of Metroid was covered by the instruction manual, you know, whether it was the story or it was, what are the (laughs) power-ups? Like, what do they even do? Yeah, what do they actually do? do? How do they work? Like, a lot of that stuff, a lot of the sort of, like, stuff to get you started was in the the instruction manual. And, you know, you miss that a little bit um, in in this experience. I actually don't know if the Switch NES NES thing gives you the instruction manual. I think it does, right? I'm not sure. I know the Wii U and Wii versions of these games do, that you can go onto the start menu and click manual. But I don't know. I haven't actually checked on the Switch, to be honest with you. But I do know that quite famously, the manuals for these games in the West were horrendously translated. Oh, yeah. Like, in the same manual, they'd refer to the same kind of instance of, like, an enemy or a move or something three or four times, and it'd be translated different each time. So, like, they'd talk about Mother Brain, but then they'd talk about Mother Brian or, you know, the the, <laughs> mater- the maternal thought machine or something along oh those sorts God. of lines. Like, because they were just so badly translated because they would have just been given to people that have no idea what a video game is, don't really care what a video game is, and they're just translating it because they know Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, so they're just doing it very literally and quickly. This is before quality assurance for the West was very much a thing. Right, absolutely. Um, and it's that aside like sort of the the bad translation aside it's definitely a game that when when you start you feel very in the dark about and i can't Mm. imagine how in the dark you would have felt when this game first came out like at least we know that there's an entire genre based on this game and Mm. you know you know the theory and you know kind of what attacks you're you know what power-ups you're probably going to be looking for and kind of what the idea of the game is uh i find that really interesting that you know our our view of this game is so different compared to how the view when it came out 
But I feel we lose a little bit because of that too. (laughs) You imagine, right? And this game came out in 1986. So neither of us were alive at this point. But let's just assume like, you know, it came out like maybe 1996 or something. We're a little bit older, say. And we play it for the first time. This would have been one of those games that you'd have gone into school the next day and go, oh, I I went through this door and I found this thing. And then it's all about trading kind of information and secrets. You know, that was very much the era of that style of gameplay. You know, right. we, we had it a little bit because we, we did similar sort of things when we talked about like um, Ocarina of Time, for example, because we sort yeah. of played that around that sort of time period. But that even then, this just blows that out of the water and it's crypticness and it's vagueness. And, yeah. Because, and what this is something that I do want to touch on quite a lot, is that there's no map in the game at no. all. Like literally not a single map. There's not even like a uncoverable one or anything. The only way to know where you're going is to basically remember it or buy like a, a strategy guide or you would okay? or drawing your own right <laughs> or drawing your own and that is brilliant i love that i love that tangible connection that you have to the game but then coming from sort of like a 21st century 2019 game mm. perspective that's mm. just awful game design like yeah. i got so unbelievably lost a few times and eventually i did give up and i just used a map i found on like the the Metroid wiki. Yeah. And it wasn't even to tell me where to go. It was just so I knew where I was, if that made sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because we're trying to detach our sort of like our 21st century gaming experienced minds from what it, we know and try and appreciate exactly how the game would have been played through, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. And it's really difficult, but at the same time, incredibly awesome to appreciate. Yeah. And so for me, I think I... I went into playing Metroid at a different angle. And so I like used a guide and a map from the word go because I sort of saw it more as like a archaeological dig, if you like. Mm, yeah. And I was just like, I want to try and experience plenty of this. And I know that I am not a gamer from the late 1980s, early 1990s. And so I'm not going to be able to cope <laughs> right, with, with Pretty much. what this is. But I still want to... I want to try and enjoy it in a different way. And so I looked at it in a from a different sort of, um, you know, from a different angle when I played it. It was a case study sort of uh, perspective yeah. of like viewing things with your current mind and going, hmm, why did they do this? More, right. more, more, more analytical, whereas I experienced it more from the gaming originality point of view. Yeah. And also seeing, you know, having played things like Metroid Prime, seeing some of the origins of that is really interesting. Mm. And you literally can see gameplay elements in the NES Metroid and you're like, oh yeah, that's like literally exactly like they've used the same mechanics and the same ideas in Prime, even mm. though they are worlds apart in terms of platform and you know video gaming landscape. So what I really love is oftentimes between the NES and the Super Nintendo, they often did like super versions of games. So they did things like Super Castlevania rather than Castlevania 4. And this was Super Metroid as opposed to Metroid 3. But I think the super term really makes a lot of sense here because if you discount um, Metroid 2, which is on the Game Boy, which was similar, but it was very much a different game altogether because of the limitations of the hardware. Yeah. If you could have ignored those that, that one in the middle, Super Metroid very much is the original Metroid just made a lot better in every oh, yeah. aspect. You know, There's not really a lot added to the game per se when you actually boil it down to what everything means and what everything's trying to convey but it's just made better it's made better in terms of its controls it's made better in terms of presentation it's made better in terms of everything's design which is so testament to 
the vision that the original creators of Metroid in 1986 had, that they got all that across, and that is still gameplay mechanics and ideas that are being used even today, you know, in like, mm. like you say, in the in the Metroidvania style games. But I think Super Metroid came out in like what, mid-90s, I think, maybe early mm. to mid-90s, and that's still, what, like 10 years on almost, and it's still the same game just made better because they can make it better. They don't know how to change it. I think that really speaks to the original Metroid's legacy. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, what's... Um, thinking about the game itself, what uh, what was some of your highlight? I know there's a lot of there's a lot of bad when we just look at the game, take the game in isolation, mm. but, what, but what is the good for you? <laughs> I mean, for me, I love the atmosphere that the game creates, even with its real limited kind of graphical capabilities yeah. and its really simple music capabilities as well. Despite all those things, it still managed to create that really wonderful atmosphere. Obviously, it creates the, the isolation atmosphere, right? I think it does that brilliantly, but I think mm. we've already talked about that in a way. But it's not just that. It makes it does make things feel quite alien and a bit weird and unique. And mm. even with those limited technical abilities of the Nintendo Entertainment System, they still manage to make things feel creepy and mm. isolated and alien, which is wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's definitely some creative uh, use of, of of sprites and sort of that, yeah, that limited color palette and limited graphical capability some of it i feel like you need to use quite a lot of your imagination to Mm. realize what they're trying to do because the scale of everything is quite off because of the fact that it's sprites and a lot of the sprites are like one or two tiles uh even the mini bosses which is hilarious like a tile or two yeah see seeing the big bad ridley which is known to be this like gigantic dragon is basically just one size up from you yeah (laughs) it's quite funny (laughs) But yeah, I I agree. It does give a good sort of feeling of um, yeah, the, the the atmosphere in the environment is is pretty good. I also really quite liked. To be honest, I really did actually quite like the platforming and the combat. Mm. Aside from a few little control niggles, I thought that the the platforming was suitably challenging and the combat was suitably challenging. And there were moments of sort of freneticism where like you know you're getting a bit overwhelmed by enemies and you're trying to like push through an area and it's really challenging to do um and then there's sort of like the strategy of like do i just like get through quickly or do i try and kill some things and get some you know extra energy you know and so i thought that that sort of feeling of pacing was quite good and and there were areas that felt calm and areas that felt definitely not calm Mm. um and so i i quite enjoyed that the enemies aren't varied like basically every area has the same like three enemies but mm. different like strengths and the other thing that i really enjoyed were the upgrades right yes. i think that the finding upgrades and using upgrades like they make you feel powerful um, and it does a really good job of that and you go from being like really wimpy and really struggling with stuff to feeling really awesome yeah. and being like i can just kill everything yeah. now because i am uber you go back through an area which you beforehand was knocking you about and you have to be really careful with everything right. and you just literally walk through it because you can just ignore right. everything and yeah right and the fact that those upgrades then aren't even telegraphed either a lot of the times you sort of just come across them from natural exploration right. makes yeah, it feel yeah. like you've earned them even more so you know it's not been predestined that you found them in fact in, it isn't in fact you can play the no, game no. without finding some of these upgrades and you can find them in different orders as well yeah which 
makes it feel so much more rewarding when you find it. Yeah, I, I purposefully went for, like, I went on an upgrade hunt for as much as possible because I knew that that was the only way I was going to be able to get through the game. <laughs> it's like, find all the upgrades as quickly as possible, get the screw attack because it's the best, um, and then sort of go from there. Um, and, and like, the, the third thing that was good, there's not a lot of things on my list, but the other thing is that it makes me want to replay other Metro games. Like, yes. I actually, I, I, I enjoyed it to the point where I was like, okay, aside from, like, NES shortcomings, this is reminding me that Metroid games are super fun. And actually, I should, I've never played Super Metroid, so I should probably go and play Super Metroid and, and try it out because it's, I'm at, I'm, I've enjoyed playing the NES one. And so I would probably really enjoy playing the, yeah, this, I the think NES so. one. I think it's fair to say that Super Metroid is is very much the quintessential Metroid experience because it Mm. basically improves everything that Metroid did without losing any of its original charm and, and, you know, things they did really well. And I think you're right that you can just see the vision of, like, the intention of the game coming through, even though there's a lot of limitations and a lot of things that it struggles with just technically. You know, you can still see where they were going with it. And mm-hmm. and like you say, the fact that Super Metroid just kind of takes that and polishes it up and it that still works is, is just kind of like a, a testament to that. I think it's also interesting to touch on how some of these people who were involved in the game's creation kind of went on or where they came from. So, for example, the game's producer, sort of the man behind everything, sort of making sure everything was working, was Gunpei Yokoi, who famously was the man who created the Game Boy. Right. Um, you know, he he was very much the driving force behind the original Game Boy, you know, the blocky Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And the, the person who made the music was a, a guy called uh, Hirokazu Tanaka, who, as well as doing a lot of music for a lot of the 8-bit and 16-bit games on the Nintendo system as a whole, he also is now the president of Creatures, Inc., as in Pokemon oh, right. Creatures, Inc., okay. you know? So you can see the pedigree in this game. Like, these were the mm. the younger, more sort of, like, upcoming rookies of the industry. Well, not so much with Gunpei Yokoi in fence, but definitely with uh, Hirokazu Tanaka. And now look where they are you know they're driving forces within this video game industry and this is one of their games that they created sort of back in the early days like when it was still seen as a toy company almost before video gaming was a thing so it really shows the the legacy and the importance of this game i Mm. think absolutely but that's not to say it's not without fault uh and it has a lot of faults which some of them you have to chalk up to the time period and the technical limitation and even just the inexperience of making video games because like we just said these people were relatively new to it because everyone was still relatively new to it Mm. but also i think these were things that they really should have addressed at the time and the biggest thing that annoys me more than anything else about this game is the way that they've chosen to place enemies so the enemies themselves make the game quite challenging in some areas like you said like it feels good sometimes to be able to outsmart them and to move around them but from a technical point of view they're they're done in a bad way because i've had a few instances where an enemy will like fly upwards and fly towards you those sort of like kind of buzzy beetle type things i don't know what you call them but if you go through a door to escape from them you you freeze right and the screen transitions between rooms they don't freeze they keep going and they'll hit you (laughs) During that screen transition, they'll hit you. So you yeah. then lose health. I had one follow me through a door. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They do follow you through doors. That's, it's so frustrating. Even if you are now completely, you, know, you can't use controls because you're waiting for the screen to finish transitioning. You've gone through the door and then it just fly straight through because it's still there. And that screen is still there, but you're not mm. on that screen anymore. But its permanence takes sort of 
precedent. Yeah. So, and and that to me feels like a bit of a design mix because they should have made it so that those enemies were maybe placed off to a point where they couldn't spawn with the door yeah. on screen as well. Like maybe so it, it makes the spawner sort of like go away before you reach the door panel. So it's interesting because there's a few things, right? Like a little bit like that, where I see them and I'm like, the NES was really underpowered right mm. like it was like they're really pushing it with this stuff and so some of the things that i see some of the glitches and the weirdness that i see i'm like i wonder if that is a byproduct of like a weird trick right some kind of weird coding trick mm. about those transitions so the screen transitions in particular right the screen transition is slow right it's really slow to, to transition from one screen to another and I'm like, why is that? Like, what is it about the way that this game has been designed that means that those screen transitions are, like, slow to move, the enemies stick around, and, like, some stuff persists, but some stuff doesn't. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on. I'm Like, the technical, the developer in me is like, what are they doing behind the scenes? Because <laughs> you see things like, um, you know, if you shoot something on the very edge of the screen and it explodes, then you the explosion wraps yes. and you see the explosion on your side. So like stuff like that. I'm like, hmm, there's some interesting things going on here. From a technical case study, it's really fascinating. Because mm. like you say, there's so much going on with that more limited hardware of the time and and computing yeah. as a whole, not even just video games, but computing was very different, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But from a game point of view, it's just irritating. Oh, yeah. Like it's super, super oh, yeah. annoying. So as fascinating as it is, yeah. Did you um there, there, another couple of things that I found really interesting, like sometimes enemies just won't spawn, like an enemy that you know is meant to be there won't be there. And I think it's because of the maybe the number of enemies on the screen. So what I found with those exact same enemies that sort of pop up at pipes and then kind of fly towards you, right? You can keep killing them infinitely and they'll keep respawning. But oh, if you yeah. kill them and don't pick up the power, they drop, they don't spawn. So oh, almost that's a tactic, yeah, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that you kill it in a place where you can't accidentally grab its power-up, and then you can go past that, that right. dangerous spawn location because it won't spawn anymore until that power-up disappears. So interesting. So that is clearly not intentional, right? That's clearly the game's technical limitations, but yes. then you yes. use that to your own advantage, which I genuinely had to in some instances because otherwise they just spawn so quickly and frequently. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. this is another design flaw which I really, really dislike, but they deal way more damage than you can recover damage realistically mm. like they deal like 15 20 damage now early game that's a lot late game it's not very much but early game that's quite a lot and each power up only gives you five health back so you've got to kill four enemies of which not every time they drop energy yeah to regain that health back and some of those damages that you can take you can't even help like you say going through a door and it just happens to follow you you know stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. i just feel like you are, you're too weak to some extent. And I know you're supposed to be weak, so you got you can feel more powerful when you upgrade, but I think just in some instances you're too weak. Either make it so you take the same take the same amount of damage, or make it so that there's maybe save points. They did this in Super Metroid in fairness. When you went to the save rooms and the map rooms, you could recharge your entire energy and, and missile stock. Right. Yeah, yeah. When you went to the safe room sort of thing. So you can tell this was something they were aware of and they they changed. But it's so frustrating to then have to proceed to wait like several minutes, basically just farm an enemy to get your health back. Yeah, it's definitely a there's definitely a difficulty curve that's quite steep and then it sort of flattens out yeah. once you've got a few upgrades. I think so, yeah, definitely like glitches and like technical issues. I mean, the slowdown is is intense yeah, it um, is. in some of the areas. Like it struggles so much. I'm like, this poor, this poor console back in the day. Like, Trying just, to do everything. Just could not cope. And there's sort of some, you know, there's some other kind of technical things that you sort of look at and think, hmm, is there 
is this just kind of trying to like squeeze out as much as they can things like there's a lot of repeated areas um where like uh you know you'll have maybe two or three rooms that are basically the same as another two or three rooms yeah. we're literally um, copy pasted yeah, and that can make the navigation very confusing. And I'm like, mm, is that to save space? Like, you've got a reused area so that you can yeah. kind of, like, you know, keep the space down but make the game feel bigger? Yeah, because they just use the same data and place it there again. Right. That, I mean, I might be wrong, but I sort of wonder if that's the case. And then, like, uh, that I've, I also... There's a few, like, glitch places, right? There's a few places that you can potentially die and not be able to come back. You've got no choice but to die or reset. Save states on the Switch completely solve that. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, saving state all the time um, gets over all of the, like, weird glitchy... You can literally just, like, accidentally bomb yourself behind a statue yes. and then you, you can't you get can't back get out, back right? Out. <laughs> yeah, there's, I've had a few instances where you just can't get out from places because of accidentally getting somewhere. Or, like you say, you fall down, like, a pit and it's now just impossible possible to get out of that pit because you don't have the right upgrades or something and the game has a password system so it's not the end of the world because you can restart from the beginning but with the same upgrades that you had collected um so it's not the end of the world but for the purposes of trying to get through the game quickly to talk about it that was you know you need save states i'll tell you what i will i will give the game credit for its password system is really impressive so i think it's only 16 characters if i remember rightly and Considering that it's only 16 characters, which compared to some password systems back in the game, which were like 30 plus or something ridiculous, it does remember everything you have as well. So it knows what upgrade you've got. It knows sort of how much health you've got. It knows what area you're in, which is really impressive. You know, I'm obviously we didn't need to use the passwords because we have save states, right? So even if you, you just save state the game after you die, so it's the equivalent of starting from when you like lost all your, you know, you lost your progress. You still got the save states to just, you know, save you from having to write down a password. But if you did yeah. have to write down that password, it would be fine. It, it does actually do a really good job. And that very much had the effect of bypassing that battery problem that they had in some of the other games. Because yeah. I know they had that in the original Legend of Zelda where they had a, a battery-powered save device in the in the console. Not the console, in the cartridge, yeah. sorry. And this removes that problem of both in price increase and the potential for the battery to run out and and it works really well yeah i think it i think it works because although it feels complicated actually the i'm not surprised that the password is that short because if you there's not really a huge number of things that they need to keep track of for you i think they probably could have done it on zelda as well to mm. be honest i think this i'd you know rather than doing a save system i think they probably could have had a password system for zelda but yeah, so sort of technical stuff aside, thinking about the game itself as well, there's a lot of of what would be considered now bad level design, right? And at the time was perhaps mm. more just like um, trying stuff or just not really just the whole genre not being refined, right? Like there's there's a lot of really long platforming tunnels where they're just there to like mm. spread the game out a little bit and you're just repeatedly going up and down a like a vertical column or whatever to try and sort of find the next area which is feels a little bit lazy and it's also difficult because there's no map system too so right quite quickly you can kind of lose track of how many doors you've gone past on the on the next floor almost so you yeah. end up going around in circles over and over again because there's no yeah. way of tracking your progress you definitely need a methodical approach if you're yeah. not going to draw a map yourself and you don't have a map you're going to need to be really methodical of like okay i'm going to go through every 
every door I see on my way up this path or something like that to try and like find everything. And then you have to remember which doors you you couldn't get past once you were in there because you never write ability or because right. the only loop back round to a certain place again because there's a few doors where you they they're just there for looping they they're not there for any right. real purpose. And can we just can we just have a little bit of a moment about like the missile doors where you have to shoot missiles at them five times? <laughs> How? How are you meant to... I, I spent like an hour... I lost like an hour to that. I was trying to figure out like, why won't this door open? It's like, like what am I... Me- how are you meant to know that? I was like, there's probably another power-up. Like, I need like the ice beam. Mm. These are the ice doors. Like, because I knew that there were... Maybe that's kind of the problem is that I was thinking about Metroid Prime where the doors... It was not like a missile. You would have like doors that needed different guns. Yes. Like different types of gun to get through. So I was like, oh, this one, if this one doesn't open with a missile, then it must need something else. And it's like, no, 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 it just needs five missiles. Apart from the door on the other side of Ridley that needs ten missiles yeah, for no I, reason. That's really frustrating. Because traditionally Metro games, the red doors require missiles, the green doors require hyper missiles, right? Or hyper bombs or whatever. Right. But in this they're just red. And there's no indication that when you shoot it with a missile, nope. you're doing anything either. No, nope. like it doesn't flash. It doesn't make a specific it's not sound. Not even a sound thing. It's so nope. as a result, you don't know that you made a difference. So if you fire <laughs> one missile and it opens from that point on the game, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I, if the red doors, I shoot with a missile, right? But because you need five missiles, and there's no indication that you should shoot another four after you choose the first one, you know, like <laughs> or nine or for nine Ridley. for Ridley. Yeah, you're like, oh, I guess I just don't have the power up, and that is just pretty bad game design i feel like that's something could be very easily solved by just like a little tink noise or a little flash (laughs) or something you know nothing that would be difficult to do no the other thing that really frustrates me on missiles is switching between them is such a pain oh i wrote this down and i reckon i was wondering if it was just primarily an issue with the switch right because they use the select button which is really not in a great place for the d-pad how many screenshots did you take oh yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) i took so many (laughs) frantically trying to switch to bloody missiles because like there's an enemy coming towards me that requires them i don't want to waste too many missiles shooting everything else and yeah yeah. I just wish the Switch had... I and mean, this is a Switch problem more than an NES problem, I suppose. Yeah. But I wish the Switch had the ability to remap your buttons. Because I would have just put yes. the select button on like the, one of the shoulder buttons. And that way I could have just yeah, quickly absolutely. flipped uh, missiles. And, and again, they fix this in Super Metroid, right? In Super Metroid, you do hold... The, the the shoulder buttons on the super nintendo and that right, then yeah, yeah. is like a not it's like a hold effects not toggle so you just hold it down while you want the missiles and then you let go when you don't want the missiles right there's also like a there's a bit of imbalance with missiles as well because for ages you don't really have any and then if you kill ridley you get a massive like metric ton mm. of them like i've i have like 80 missiles rather than five and you just or use those bit rather than your normal blaster now right it gets a bit extreme and i think the other main thing that really frustrated me about metroid and the primary reason why I used a guide to make sure that I could get through the game is the hidden walls, right? Yeah. The hidden things that you need to bomb that you have no visual indication that you need to bomb them. And like, sometimes it's, I, I was like disbelieving when there's like a hidden wall that you bomb through and underneath is lava, except that it's not lava. It's just a fake lava texture yeah. that you can fall through and then underneath it is like a whole room. And I'm like, is this a, is this, this feels like a glitch. Yeah, this feels like the developers just <laughs> having forgotten to put a hole here or something. There shouldn't be lava. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's kind of clever 
like i i think actually there's some cleverness about it and and about that like really encouraging exploration and discovery that would not fly nowadays right no. but back then made sense and thinking back actually to where we where we started when we were talking about you know this was in an era of yeah like talking talking in the playground right about the game that you're playing and you know and hearing rumors about how oh if you bomb this area on this bridge then you can fall down and fall through the lava and there's a energy pack mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that it is that kind of era and it that's is. clearly what they wanted to encourage but that era is not anymore unfortunately no it's it's not and you know and that sort of comes back to my point about, as well about you know i can see where some of the later games get the inspiration from you know yeah. those kinds of mechanics refined a little bit are present in the later games and you're like oh that's where yeah. it comes from it's like from that sort of era where they were that was quite new and interesting to have sort of hidden areas and mm. there's also like tricks right like the developers trick you where they've got like repeated areas where there's like you bomb the same bit and you it starts to look like you're going into like a secret area but no no it's just a dead end yeah. you're just you're just tricked and there's a lot of that in the later metro games as well my overall conclusion and my overall recommendation would be not to play the original metroid honestly other than <laughs> for just case study purposes yeah no, agreed, if you want 100%. to play the original metroid as a game i would just recommend playing metroid zero mission the the remake on the gba which uses right. the same game engine as metroid fusion which is absolutely fantastic and that fixes all these problems because it basically just does the same things we've talked about like like the upgrades between metroid and super metroid so right. and i think it's you should because if you've got any passing interest in the metroid universe whatsoever you know in samus and all the rest of it it's important because it's it's the kind of original cornerstone but as a game as a whole it's not super fun to play it's just kind of frustrating it's, it's aged yeah. badly it's aged very very badly <laughs> like, i'd say it's aged a lot worse than zelda and mario for example right like 100%. i think the original legend of zelda is kind of playable but frustrating in some place and the original mario is still just as playable now as it was you know 30 well, years course. ago but <laughs> yeah. metroid hasn't aged as well and i think that they've done a great job to bring it into the modern age with all of the games they've released since. So if you want to play the original Metroid and the original story and all the rest of it, play Zero Mission uh, and then, you know, play Super Metroid and then the rest of them. Mm, 100%. And I'm I'm definitely going to chuck some of the um, other Metroid games on my list of games to play um, because Mm. it has reminded me, you know, I did enjoy playing Prime a lot and I have actually... My overall experience with the NES one has been positive. Yes. And I would say that I think it is worth playing, but I don't think it's worth trying to play it how it would have been played. Mm. I'm not sure that there's really any value in that. And I and I get a guide, get a map, use save states. Yeah. I enjoyed just like reading through some stuff about like where some of the secrets are and like I worked out my own sort of route and idea about how I wanted to go through the game and then I used the guide and save states to help me get get there and that way I feel like I experienced it and I'm like okay yeah I've now I've now played this game and you know it didn't take me 20 hours because I couldn't I didn't realize that you can bomb the floor Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to like get somewhere which I feel like is what would have happened to me because your brain now as a gamer is not wired to try those things. No. And so that's why I think that you need pointers or guides or something to get you in the right direction because you're just not going to manage it otherwise because you're not going to think about it. No. Like I like the five shooting five missiles at doors. Like you're just not going to try no. it. Like if it fails, you're going to be like, oh, I guess that's not how I open that door. Yeah. And you move on. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm glad we did it. It's a great game. And Me too. Me too. I'm really glad. Really glad. I think it very much encompasses the idea of Game Club where we have a discussion about a game that's interesting. And this is interesting because of how old it is and how much of a legacy it has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one to do and I'm, I'm really glad that we chose to do it. Mm. Me too. Me too. And if you have any suggestions for other games that we could play on Game Club, you know, it's one of my favourite uh, sets of episodes that we do. Um, I really enjoy doing it. We'll be having a think now about our next Game Club game. But if you have any ideas for us, then please let us know. Uh, you can send us an email at show at octal.fm or you can just grab us on Twitter. It's an easy one to tweet at us um, at octal.fm on Twitter. And you can come find us on Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash Octal FM. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what our next Game Club episode is going to be. Uh, they've all been kind of varied, Absolutely. although interesting, we've had two Metroid star games already. Mm, yes, maybe not a third. Maybe not a third. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's popular demand and we'll play all the Metroid games. You don't know. Right. Uh, but you'll find maybe. out next time. And until then, I've been Sefran. And I've been Gelada. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. One of the first. When was the last time you signed off? Like, <laughs> I thought I'd see it from under Alien. Oh, it felt very alien. Oh, that's going in. So, oh, so good. Totally <laughs> so intentional. So good, but also so late. <laughs> <laughs>